You see, I think this is where Christians, we, we stop. I'm saved from my sin, yay. Now I can go ahead and live whatever I want without consequence. And I think this is where we get stuck. I've been stuck there. No, we're saved for a purpose. We're saved for a reason. When God makes us a new creation, when we call upon the Lord to save us, He makes us a new creation in our hearts. And that new creation should be reflected in how we live, how we speak, how we act. We change. And if we aren't changing... We have to look at that root cause and say, have we truly received the Lord as our Savior or are we truly submitting to the Holy Spirit? These questions come up. You'll know a tree by its fruit. The Bible says, Jesus spoke very plainly about these things. But Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, His poema, His, his, his poem, His workmanship. He looked at us. We're created by him. He looked at you. He sees your story. He wrote it out. Specifically, you and us corporately as a church. But he looked at you. And he has a, he has a story he wants to work out in and through your life. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Wait a second. Good works don't save you? No, but you were created what? For them which God prepared in advance for us to think about, for us to do. So make it very clear, we're not saved by works, but we're saved to do them. So, Jesus saved Matt Dotson. He brought me back to him. There's a lot of sin in this guy's life that he's paid for, all of it and things that I'm still working through, being changed into the image of Christ Jesus. And how faithful he was and is to lay out those good works right in front of me to encourage me to follow him. And there have been seasons in my life where I said, no, I want to do my own thing. And as I went that way, I became miserable. Any of you miserable? Trying to do your own thing, your own way? But God is faithful to hunt us down and, and to come back in the Holy Spirit working in our hearts. The Holy Spirit working in our hearts to, to, to woo us to Him, to drag us to Him, to pull us. Hey, you sitting in the pew, you, I'm here. I want to work through you in your life. I've got a plan. You know what separates us. You want to do it your way, but do you want to do it my way? And there's those things that the Holy Spirit's been working in each and every single one of our hearts. And we get to choose. Do we want to follow Jesus or do we want to do it the way we've always done it? The way we've always done it doesn't work. Remember that? Jesus wanted to save us from that. We're the problem. We want to go back to that? No, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in this body, I live through faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This life that we have should be lived following after him and and listening to the Holy Spirit, learning what it is to hear his voice and moving forward in him and growing in him. James says, 
you know, right there. Hey, hey, you know what? The bottom line is, at the end of verse two, uh, chapter 2, it says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Live like you're saved if you're saved. Let me see it, church. Let me see it, Matt. Let it be reflected in your marriage. Let it be reflected in the relationships around you. Let it be reflected in this community. The proof is in the pudding. James was a, he's a pretty straight, narrow guy. I don't think, you know, I mean, he's, hey, what are you doing? Why aren't you doing it? What's going on in your heart? You know, you're just one of those guys that probably just get up to you, just a, a fatherly type figure and say, hey, knock that off. Come on, let's go. That's not who God made you. Oh, thank the Lord for men like that, for women like that. So, for we are God's handiwork. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works. I love that. And the question is, are we, do we have that living faith? Do you have that living faith? Or are you a Christian couch potato? Are you a Sunday Christian? Now, we all work Monday through Friday. I understand that. There's very things. Is your, life, is your faith being lived out through your work? Is your faith being lived out in sports? Is your faith being lived out with your finances? Is your faith being lived out with every opportunity? Is Jesus alive in all those circumstances? Wherever you are, being a mother at home, being a father at work, being a mother at work, is Jesus, is he in the middle of it or is he compartmentalized? Let him flow. Let him live through you. He loves you. And now... James transitions after that. So faith without deeds is dead. He transitions and he starts talking about, in light of that, not many of you should become teachers. Now, this is chapter 3, verse 1. My fellow believers, not many of you should become teachers because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault and what they say is perfect and able to keep their whole body in check. James is now taking the opportunity to warn those who would seek to teach. And that word teach is, is rabbi. It's, it's, so we're getting the idea that it's teaching the word of God in, in, in the scriptures here. Anybody who desires to teach others about following Jesus in the church and publicly and that type of thing, better be careful. There shouldn't be many of you. Because, why? There's responsibility that is heavy there. There's accountability that is grave. It's hard. One day, I'll stand before the Lord Jesus, and I'll give account for every word uttered before you. You know, the human heart is, is a really interesting thing. Jesus talks about it and he says, it's out of your heart that all these things come out, adulteries, murder, slander, all these types of things that, that flow out of your heart. And your tongue is the vehicle for which they flow. 
being in a position of being able to teach others how much damage you can cause. How much blessing can flow at the same time. It's a heavy responsibility. And I'm not saying that to puff myself up. God called me and I've, I've been following him. But he says, don't, don't take these things lightly. The word of God and teaching about Jesus is huge. It's the priority in Scripture. And he warns over and over again against false teachers. Warns over and over and over again against teaching from a heart that isn't right. From teaching uh, you know, ill will and all these types of things. And we look at the teaching today that's gone on in the church. You know, It's so easy to teach what Matt wants to teach instead of what the Bible says. Do you realize I can come to a verse in Scripture and I can look at it and then I can justify it according to the, the theology that I have or because I'm not living it out in my own life, you know, it's so easy to take it and just jump over those verses or to twist them to make them lighthearted. When God's really saying, knock it off or turn left or turn right. It's really easy to do that. I mean, parents... <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. You know, why do you do it? Just do it. But when you're trying to treat a principle and it's not true in your own life, that's hard. James is saying, be careful. Don't let many of you teach. You know, these, these guys that lead you in this church, you know, Hebrews talks about it. It says, hey, submit to them. Don't give them a hard time. Pray for them, basically because they're going to be the ones who have to give an account for your souls before God. The shepherds. It's a very grave responsibility. Teaching the Word of God is important. You know, when you're going through a difficult circumstance, I've had this many times in counseling, there'll be a person in in a person's life who's having an issue. And they just want to go to the person who tells them what they want to hear. You ever had that? And the tendency of the human heart is to hear what you want to hear, not what we need to hear from the Lord. The Word of God, when when I teach it, it teaches me. When we read it, it reads us. It cuts between the, the joints and the marrow. It gets down to the very issue of things like nothing else can cuts us asunder. We're open before God. It pierces our souls. And what do we do with that? We respond, yes, Lord, change me. Yes, Lord, you're right. Or we harden our hearts and we turn away. You know, you can take a verse about money. God wants you to be rich. All of you to be rich. Amen? Woohoo! Wait a second. Okay, different scene. We're in the third world. We're in India. We're in the slums. God wants you to be rich. All of you to be rich. Woohoo! They're like, what are you talking about? It's not the true gospel. There will be suffering. Most of you who are called, guess what? Aren't rich. Is there anything wrong with riches? It's all about the man's heart. 
So teaching the Word of God is very important. Just trying to stay with what it says and just teaching how it is. And again, that's why I prefer to teach verse by verse. Some people can do it topically. I'm just not that, that strong. I could probably just bend things my way really easily. So uh, thanks for bearing with me on this. But pray for me. Pray for those who teach in the Scriptures. Pray for, pray for the elders. Pray for the home Bible study leaders and those who are leading the groups. Pray for those who are in prayer meetings. Because we will give an account one day. Not, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow brothers, because you know that he, we who teach will be judged more strictly. James includes himself. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault with what he says is perfect. That word perfect meaning mature. Able to keep their whole body in check. That's what we want to aim for, being able to keep our whole body in check. So judgment is coming for all those who teach. It's a very strict thing. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, said, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Again, Jesus says in Matthew, says, don't think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of these, the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Double-edged sword there. So, we desire to teach clearly. And just one more verse in Matthew chapter 12. It says, Make a good tree and its fruit will be good. Or make a bad tree and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. And he starts talking so very politically correctly here. He says, You brood of vipers... (laughs) How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A man, uh, sorry, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the judgment day for every empty word they have spoken. For by the words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. Period. Now, the two judgments, the judgments of the believers and the judgments, the judgment of the world. We have been judged innocent in God's eyes regarding sin. We are innocent. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus regarding sin. If you have asked for Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you have put your life in it and you believe in it, you believe that Jesus raised him from the dead, We are declared innocent in the eyes of God. Amen? Yes. Now, you will be judged according to what you have done from that point forward with Jesus Christ. And you will be merited rewards according to that. And I look at several verses here about wood, hay, and stubble. And our motives for doing what we're doing. And all these things. We're not all going to get the same rewards in heaven. Jesus talks about this in different parables and things like that. You know, to some it was given little, and what did you do with that? To some it was given a lot, what did you do with that? 
But we will all give an account before Jesus Christ. What we've done in our mortal bodies. What we've done. What we've said. What our life reflects. You will stand before Him one day. I will stand before Him one day and speak to Him. What have you done? And the truth will be there. Every secret thing, all that stuff is going to come out. Big screen, not going to be fun. That's what I believe he's talking about, and he will wipe away every tear because it's going to be sad. It's going to be sad when you see who Pastor Matt really was. By his grace, I'm saved, but I don't want to get in by the coattails. I want to live like I'm saved. I want to be all in, and on that day, there won't be shame. Well done, good and faithful servant. See, the difference between who we are and what we should be is is huge. Jesus says in in Revelation chapter 2, I'm just going off the top of my head here, so just play with me. Speaking to the church in Ephesus. Chapter 4, he says... Yet I hold this against you. He talks about all the good things that they've done. He said, yet I hold this against you. Well, anyways, I'll just read it. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, Jesus writes, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. This is Jesus speaking to a church. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. You have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. Do you realize all the good things you do don't cancel out the bad things? Yet I hold this against you. I hold you accountable for what this is. You have forsaken your first love. You've left your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Remember when you received Jesus as your Savior. Remember from where you've fallen. Remember what He took you from. And where you are now, where your heart is now. How you've wandered, how far you are from Him. Remember. Now repent. And do the things you first did. Remember, repent. Repent means to change your mind about it, to turn in thought and in deed. You're doing one thing, you go the other direction. Go back and do those first things. He says, go back to the vine, go back to Jesus. Hook yourselves back up with Him. Remember when He saved you, how wonderful it was. Your sins were gone. You're cleansed. And you've done all these good type work things, but guess what? Your heart's far from me. How I want you. How I long for you to be with me. All these things apart from me. Why? Come back to me. And He asked them, Return to your first love. Go back to Jesus. And begin to do those first things I told you about.
If you do not, I will come to you. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. And he starts talking about them hating the deeds of the Nicolaitans. That God is a just God. Listen. We're going to have to end it here. We can't even get that much further. But the point is, you know, before we go talking about all the good works that we could do, how we return to our first love. You know, let that be the foundation. Next week we'll get into all the good works. But let that be the foundation. Have you returned to your first love? If not, make Him a priority in your life. Will it and do it. Put Him first. Give Him the hour. Give Him the time. Make Him first. Go back. Your first love waits for you. Amen? Lord, I just want to thank You for this body. Thank you for these people that you've placed here. And I ask that your spirit would continue to lead us and guide us. Thank you for the opportunity you've set before us to worship you. To hear what your spirit would say to the church. And I pray, Father, that we would respond in love to to you. And that our lives would be changed. And I pray for the person, the people in here who have not been in their need to you. They knew of you, but they have not given their heart fully to you. Perhaps they're living life on, upon the scale system instead of the grace system, which you fully just paid the price and they just have to accept it. If anyone in, in this place today with every eye closed and every head bowed has not received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, just want to give you an opportunity to respond by popping your hand up and down. God bless you. Anyone else? Praise the Lord, huh? Father, I ask that you would bless this person and just raise their hand. I ask that we would encourage them and welcome them into the family. I ask that you would cause your Holy Spirit to indwell them and to change them. Father, will you fill your people to do the work of your ministry this week? And I pray that we would abide in you and there would be good fruit. In the name of Jesus, amen.